0: wonderful experience of heading to Petoskey and there is a car driving way too slow and now you're in the parade behind that car. Is, there, is, there, is that just me? Uh, there's like 50 of us. And, and you're thinking, and I'm saying out loud, uh, get a clue you jerk. Uh, or my other favorite word for them is idiot. Um, I don't always say it, but I'm thinking it, so I think it's pretty much the same thing. Or how many of you recently, icy roads, maybe bad conditions, and then you have somebody uh, pass you. Well, well, I mean, it's ice and it's crazy, and, and what do you say to them? You are a maniac, okay? So, so the ones who are going around us during horrible conditions, uh, see you in the ditch, big guy, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, so... The people who drive slower than us are jerks or idiots, right? And the people who drive faster than us are maniacs. Think on that just for a minute. (laughs) Whether we realize it or not, we're all prone to justify our own behavior, are we not? Condemn, judge, get ugly at people who are different from us. The ancient Greeks um, divided the human race into two groups. Did you know that? Ancient Greeks, two groups of people. There are Greeks, and everybody else is a barbarian. That's how they viewed the world. If you're not Greek, if you don't speak Greek, then you are a barbarian. Um, I understand barbarian was you sound like a dog because they don't understand your language so you sound like a dog barking. So you're either refined and wonderful like me or you bark like a dog when you speak. Um, Even the brilliant philosopher Aristotle wasn't immune. Listen to really smart guy, philosopher Aristotle. He believed that people who lived to the north of Greece, living in the colder climates, had plenty of courage and spirit but not very much intellect and not very much skill Okay, so uh, that's probably what he'd be thinking of us right now Um, Aristotle believed that those people who lived to the south in warmer climates had plenty of skill and intellect but lacked courage or spirit and he really believed that only the Greeks lived in just that perfect Goldilocks spot they lived at just the right place where because of where they lived, they had that perfect blend of skill and intellect and courage and spirit. That's what he wrote. That's what he believed. And here's the truth. Every one of us, we have our prejudices. We all have our opinions. Uh, A prejudice is uh, we form opinions and we base things based without knowledge or examination of the facts. Uh, Prejudice is preconceived preferences or ideas or biases towards people, towards other ways of thinking, and it doesn't even necessarily mean you've met them. You might not even know them, and yet I already believe this about them or I believe that. It's a tendency like Aristotle, to believe that I'm right, and I'm pretty sure you're wrong. Pretty sure, Perry. My time in northern Michigan, not really. Uh, My time in northern Michigan, I've seen several examples of this. Um, There's animosity between those who are living on the lake, and they're only here part-time, right? Um, And there's some some folks who don't care for those people, and we—they would be the year-round residents—and there's some animosity. And if you don't believe that, just show up at one of the township meetings soon. I've uh, been there. A lot of that is there's friction because some don't care for the others based on how long you're here. Um, there are snide comments that fly between those who vote Republican uh, about those who vote Democrat. And it's vice versa, too. Those who vote Democrat don't say good things about those who vote Republican. Uh, The competition even erupts into ugliness in high school athletic events, Uh, football, basketball events. Don't believe it? Go to the next Boyne City Charlevoix basketball or football game. Did you know they hire extra police officers? uh, Because those folks don't like each other because of the uniform they're wearing. Uh, There are strong feelings, even today, about those who favor right to work versus those who are pro-union. And just just stay out of that debate unless you want to get bit. Uh, What about people who homeschool their children versus those who send their children to public school? Or those who send their kids to Christian school? or those who send their children to charter school. Get in the middle of that debate, it can get real ugly in a hurry. Um, And then there's been a centuries-old problem with uh, those of us who are lighter-skinned. We lock our doors, we think the worst about people of color who we've not even met. We don't know them, never had a conversation with them, don't know anything about them, but I've got my suspicions about you because of the color of your skin today god's going to knock down a huge wall between people it's a wall of bigotry it's a wall of hatred it's a wall of prejudice and i'm telling you what god is going to use this passage today to just knock down this huge wall because the god of the bible doesn't play favorites you want to say that with me the God of the Bible doesn't play favorites. Tell your neighbor that. The God of the Bible, tell him he doesn't play favorites. That means he doesn't like you better than me or me better than you. Okay. So, so what I'm saying here is this. Whether someone is rich or poor, whether someone is Republican or Democrat, whether someone is Rambler or Raider, uh, whether someone is pro-union or anti-union, whether someone is white or black or brown or blue, and then i got to say green, otherwise some of you will be angry with me, uh, Jesus Christ could care less about those labels. He cares about faith and the condition of our hearts. Jesus Christ doesn't play favorites. And uh, I'm telling you what, we better get it in our heads that Jesus Christ cares about everybody regardless of labels regardless of our suspicions regardless of the fact that they're not just like me we got to drop that and reach out to everyone around us with the love and the good news of Jesus and the cross we're going to see together today that the Lord's going to bring together two very different men and do it in a powerful way and I'm telling you what These two men had every reason not to like each other. These two men had every reason not to talk to each other, not to have anything to do with each other, but God's going to work powerfully today. Acts chapter 10 is where we're going to be if you have your Bible. Open it up, verse 1. We're going to read down through verse 23. Okay, It's a lot of reading, but I I believe in it. You can do it. Dan, put it up there on the wall. Let's stand together. We'll start with verse 1. Watch God knock down some walls of prejudice and bigotry and hatred. Here we go. Read out loud, nice and loud, so I can read soft, okay? Here we go. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius? Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? he asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now, send men to Joppa, to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey, And approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheep being let down to earth by its four corners. He contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. When Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was, and stopped at the gate. They cried out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. When Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We've come from Cornelius the centurion. He's a righteous and God-fearing man who's respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. Peter, at Cornelius' house, The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. Let's pray. Lord, I'm I'm asking that you'll help us to look deep inside today to locate where we have prejudices against other people who aren't just like us. Lord, I'm asking that you'll help us to look deeply. Help us, Lord, to realize that uh, as sinners, prone to wander, we just have a natural inclination to think that we're better than others and we're right and, and they're wrong. So, Lord, show us where we look down on people and naturally just move away from people and talk poorly about people, oftentimes we've never even met. Thank you for this real-life story of Cornelius and Peter. Lord, thank you for the fact that they had every reason to hate each other, to despise each other, to want nothing to do with each other, and yet Lord, you knocked down the wall between them. Lord, I'm asking that you might knock down some walls in our lives today. May your inspired, active, alive word Come together this morning in combination with your spirit. We invite you to do a work today in your church. And all the church gathered at Walloon Lake said, as one, you may be seated. Allow me to uh, paint the cultural picture a little bit for you, okay? Okay. The Jews hated the Romans because they were an occupying army. Just imagine if uh, Russia had uh, an army located all around Michigan, all around the United States, and they were constantly nosing in to our affairs. That's what was going on. They they hated the Romans. The Romans weren't nice. They ruled with an iron fist. The Jews despised the Roman idols and the Roman symbols. Um, Caesar worship was mandatory uh, in Rome, and obviously the soldiers brought that with them. They thought the Romans were polluting their land. Uh, The Jews hated the taxes that they were forced to pay to the Roman Caesars. And uh, obviously to have armies all around the world, somebody had to pay for that. Um, the Jews were forced to help. Uh, Large, deeply resented taxes. Uh, A Roman soldier could force a a Jewish man, woman, child to carry their bag, no choice. You'd have to carry it for a mile. Imagine you're on your way to work, and now a Roman soldier says to him, I carry the bag. No choice. Um, There were strong penalties for refusal. Uh, lots of punishment by the Roman uh, army, by the Roman officials. They were known for being cruel. They were known at times, if you pushed them too far, um, they would kill you, oftentimes crucifying people on the cross that uh, were found guilty. The Jews looked at the Romans as less than animals. They, They would have more respect for a dog Or a cat or a horse than they would for a Roman soldier. Um, They were unclean pagans. Um, Several of the things I read this week if you touched accidentally a Roman soldier, uh, a good conscientious Jew would run home and wash because he had been dirtied, he had been polluted, and he wouldn't want to live just by touching uh, a Roman soldier. Uh, They would never talk to them. They would certainly never eat with them. They would certainly never invite them into their home, and no way are they going into a Roman home as well. Now listen, the Jews thought they were God's favored people because they were descendants of Abraham. And scholar John Stott writes this, the Jews twisted the doctrine of election into one of favoritism. And they became filled with racial pride and hatred. And they viewed all non-Jews as dogs and unclean. Do you see where they took it? Well, God favors us, and we're the best, and we're better than everybody else, and everybody else, they're just dogs. They're unclean and vile people. On the other side... The Romans couldn't stand the arrogant Jews. Um, The Romans, and especially the soldiers, they said these people, they get all worked up over all these silly little rules. They viewed them as ultra-sensitive over their laws and feasts. And oftentimes, riots would break out, and the Roman soldiers would have to rush in and calm the riot over what they said were little meaningless things Cornelius was a Roman centurion. He was in charge of 100 men. Centurions were the backbone of the Roman army. Okay? Uh, he would have been fairly wealthy. He would have been highly respected and honored by his community, by his men. He, it says he was from the Italian regiment. He was from Italy. He was well-traveled, uh, highly-educated, highly trained that's what would have been going on with Cornelius now look at verse 2 Acts chapter 10 it says uh, Cornelius described by Dr. Luke even though he lived in Caesarea a city filled with many gods and goddesses and idols it says he was attracted to the God of the Old Testament it's as though Cornelius realized all this Roman stuff isn't for real It's not satisfying. He saw that the Jews had something that was real. And it says, verse 2, He was devout, he was God-fearing, he gave generously to the poor, and it says Cornelius was a man of what? He was a man of prayer. He was was a man convinced that he should be crying out regularly to God. Verse 3... While he's praying, the Lord sends an angel to speak to Cornelius. Okay, And verse 4, Cornelius, your prayers, your gifts to the poor, they are a great sacrifice to God. In other words, Cornelius, what your life is, it smells really good to God Almighty. Your, your life is a good-smelling sacrifice. Verse 5, Cornelius, send some men to Joppa. It's a port city about 30 miles north of Cornelius. Anybody recognize Joppa from the Old Testament? Anybody in your mind run to Joppa at some point? A guy named Jonah. Remember when he didn't want to do it God's way? He didn't want to go and be God's missionary, so he runs to Joppa, boards a boat, flees out away from God and gets what? Swallowed by a fish, okay? Uh, anyway, verse 5, send your men to a man named Peter. He's staying with a tanner. His house is by the Mediterranean Sea. Verse 7, here's what I like. Instant obedience. Instantly, Cornelius calls two servants, his devout soldier attendant, and off they go to find Peter. Okay? So, the Lord has Pe- uh, Cornelius' attention. Now he's going to have to get Peter's attention. So, okay, we've got one side of the equation. Cornelius is in now. He goes to work on Peter, and Peter is the lead apostle. Peter is the one who spoke the first Christian sermon, Acts chapter 2, at the day of Pentecost. Remember, 3,000 Jews respond by saying yes to Jesus, okay? Okay? Born again, spirit filled Peter, who's also still filled with bigotry and prejudice toward Gentiles. Okay? So even though Peter is a godly man, born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, he still hates the Gentiles, would have nothing to do with them. Now look at verse 9. Note the Lord's perfect timing. Just as Cornelius' men approach the city of Joppa, it's noon and Peter is ready for what? It's lunchtime. (laughs) Peter's hungry. And uh, he's waiting for lunch and he's hungry and he falls into a trance. Ecstasis. Ecstasy uh, is the Greek word there. It's a state similar to sleep. And while he's in a trance... Peter hears a voice from heaven speaking to him. And now, verses 11 and 12, keep following along, uh, Peter sees a sheet coming down from heaven, verses 11 and 12, and in that sheet are clean and unclean animals. Clean animals, ox, sheep, doves, unclean animals, pigs, lobster, lizards, snakes, okay? Okay? Uh, verse 13 the voice says what lunchtime Pete eat it up and what does Peter say in response verse 14 Uh, no Lord I can't eat that I've never eaten that kind of food ever in my life that kind of food violates violates Leviticus 11 rules the the uh, The eating kosher rules, I've never eaten that way in all my life, and I'm not going to start now. Slide down to verse 15. This is huge. He says, Peter, don't call anything impure that God has made clean. Don't call anything impure that God has made clean. Now, verse 16, the Lord's going to have to repeat this how many times to Peter? Three times. Three times, okay? Uh, I, I know you didn't get it the first time, so let me drop it back down. Do you see the bacon? Do you see the crab legs? It's time to eat, Pete. Uh, doesn't get it the second will We'll try it one more time. It's going to take a little time for this to soak into Peter's head. Now, here's what you need to know. This is way bigger than just Leviticus 11 dietary laws being set aside. Uh, This is the Lord preparing Peter to tear down his wall of hatred and his wall of bigotry toward all non-Jews. See, Peter had a problem with prejudice, and anybody who wasn't Jewish, he felt superior to. He was better than them. God liked him better, and now God is going to have to tear that wall down, and this is the first step. Now, Pay attention to the timing here. Verse 17. While Peter is still pondering the dream, the trance, three times, verse 17, the three men Cornelius had sent arrive at the place where Peter is staying. And please know this. Are you ready? Maybe for some of you, this is why you're here. The Lord is never late. The Lord is never late but he's rarely early. And some of you right now, you understand what that means, okay? You're crying out, Lord, Lord, come through. come. And I want you to know he's never late, but he's rarely early. Verse 19, Peter's head is still spinning. Hey, Pete, there are three men looking for you, the voice says. Verse 20, go down, go greet them. I sent them to you. Verse 21, Peter says, why have you come? And they give him the speech, Cornelius, our boss, the centurion soldier, sent us. He's a great guy. You'll like him, Pete. Godly, devout, God-fearing. And an angel of God sent to Cornelius said to come here and come to meet you in Caesarea. Verse 22. And this is huge. Verse 23. Would you look at it? Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. That's the first step. You understand? This is massive. Peter invites Gentile dogs. That's what he would have thought of them up to this point. Three Gentile dogs. Okay, why don't you come in and spend the night in my house? Spend the night with me. That was massive, okay? Okay. Verse 23, the next day, Peter heads out with the men to Caesarea. And if you go to chapter 11 and verse 12, just go over there for a minute. I want you to see there's six men that Peter takes with him to go to Caesarea. They are Christian Jewish men, brothers in the Lord, and he takes them with him to be witnesses. And if you read chapter 11 this next week, you'll understand why he needed witnesses. Uh, this was not going to be happy and well-received in Jewish circles. Uh, Peter's going to get criticized. There's going to be a whole lot of ugliness going on because they're not happy with what's about to happen. Okay? They're very upset. Um, anyway, they take off to Caesarea, verse 24. They arrive at the home... Of Cornelius in Caesarea, and he's expecting them. Look at verse twenty-four. They arrive in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, and they'd called together. He had called together all of his relatives and close friends. D- did you see verse twenty-four? If you don't have your Bible, look on it with somebody. But but Cornelius, expecting Peter to come and give them the great news they've been looking for, calls together all of his relatives. And all of his friends. I call this a centurion party or a Roman holiday or a, 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 a soldier bash. Can I su- suggest something to you? Wouldn't it be great if some of us thought so much about Jesus and what he's done in our lives, we were so excited that we would call all of our family members and close friends and just have an amazing feast? And then have somebody who loves Jesus strong, full of his spirit, stand up and tell all of your close friends and family members about Jesus Christ. not that a great idea? Um, and I would challenge some of you to think about it. Um, I think I'm going to have a Roman party or a Roman bash or a, a soldier uh, feast and, and just do it just like Cornelius did. Um, verse 25 Cornelius is so excited, so pleased to see Peter, what does he do? He falls down at Peter's feet and starts to worship him, and verse 26 says, Hey, get up, Mr. Centurion. Um, I'm just a man just like you. Um, I'm, I'm no different than you are. You're a man. I'm a man. Get up off the floor. Please don't worship me. Now, in the back of your bulletin, find verses 27 and 28. While talking with Cornelius, with him, Peter went inside and he found a large gathering of people. And now he's going to say something that the first few times I read it, it seems kind of rude. Um, Verse 28. um, He said to them, You're well aware that it's against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. I want you to know that what I'm about to do coming in to see you and talk with you is wrong according to Jewish law, and nobody else would do it because they all think your dog's unclean is really what he was saying. Uh, but then he goes on, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. God has shown me that I shouldn't be looking down on any group of people I shouldn't think that anybody is is less than I. I shouldn't think that I'm superior to anyone from now on. And and I like this balance that God gives Peter. This is what John Stott points out. I refuse, Peter says, to be treated as if I were a god, because I'm not. But I also refuse to any longer treat you, Cornelius, and your family and your friends as if they're unclean dogs. I'm not a god, and you're not unclean dogs in this wonderful balance. Verse 29, so why, Cornelius, did you send for me? Why, Cornelius, did you ask me to come? And verses 30 to 33, he says, well, three days ago, it just so happens an angel appeared when I was praying, and he said, if I'll just send for you, you would come And tell me and my family and my friends what's next. And uh, Peter says, oh really, you want to know what's next? And Peter now preaches his very first Gentile sermon. Very first sermon aimed at non-Jews. Verses 34 to 38, you'll read he tells them about the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus is Lord of all. He's come to take care of your sin problem. Jesus is full of power, did miracles, amazing stuff. Verse 39, it's on the back of your bulletin. Peter says, I'm an eyewitness of all this. I was there, Cornelius. They put Jesus on a Roman cross. Then he raised, was raised from the dead, and over 500 of us saw him, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 7. Verse 42 and the risen Jesus ordered us to tell everybody about him. And verse 44 is pretty cool. Look at it. It's on the back of your bulletin. Right in the middle of his sermon, something wonderful happens. Do you notice that? Right, right in the middle of his sermon, and, and preachers hate this, when God works, and I'm not even done yet. But right in the middle of a sermon, they believe. <laughs> right in the middle of the sermon, he's giving them the facts And they're already responding to the facts about Jesus Christ. And they're hungry, and they're thirsty, and they hear the truth. And in their hearts, they say, yes. And now you have Gentile Pentecost, okay? You have the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And now here in Acts 10, there's Gentile Pentecost. And now you got Roman people speaking, and they're speaking most common... probably speaking in Hebrew and Aramaic. And now Peter's saying, I know they don't know my language. And the six witnesses are saying, how do they know my language? And they are shocked and they are amazed. Peter says, well, you're already baptized with the Holy Spirit. Why shouldn't you be baptized with water in the name of Jesus Christ? Verse 48. Peter, um, could you stick around for a few days? Peter, I think there's a lot of things that we need to know. Would you mind teaching and preaching some more so we can get a good foundation? And sure enough, Peter stays with them for several more days. If you turn in your Bible to Revelation 5 and verse 9, there's this uh, new song. Revelation 5, 9, the Apostle John records. Um and it's a huge hit in heaven. Um, Bill, it's the number one on the charts. Um, Casey Kason was doing the countdown. This was number one. Um, uh, it says, verse nine, "You are worthy Jesus. Take the scroll and opens its seals, because you were slain. And with your blood, Jesus, you purchased for God people from every what is it? Every tribe, every language every people, every nation. Did you know it's God's plan, it's God's will, it's God's call to take the gospel of Jesus Christ across every barrier, across every wall? Whatever racial barriers, economic barriers, political barriers... Cultural walls, educational walls, whatever the barrier is, he says here, I want you to take the gospel of Jesus right over those walls to each and every person worldwide. Now, now please understand, Peter set aside a lifetime of prejudice. Peter sets aside a lifetime of bigotry and hatred and obediently invites the three men in to spend the night. That was huge. Then he walks with them for two days. Normally, there's no way a Jew would accompany Gentiles. He walks with them on their journey to Caesarea. Then he enters the home of a Roman soldier, a a centurion, one of of the, the, the soldiers that actually was in charge. I hate them even worse. And then he preaches the gospel to a house full of Gentiles. And then he baptizes all of those who believe and say yes to Jesus. And then Myron, he spends an extra several days teaching, discipling them. Can I I just ask, what group are you reluctant to reach out to? It's probably different for all of us. What, what, What group of people or what types of people are you really not interested in even praying for? I don't want to be associated with them. I don't feel like showing the love of Jesus to them. Um, I grew up in Portage, Indiana, which has its western boundary of the city of Portage. Um, On the other side is Geary, Indiana. And when I was living in Portage, Indiana, the murder capital of the United States of America was Gary, Indiana. Uh, 95% African-American. And here's what maybe you didn't know if you've lived up here in northern Michigan, uh, but some of the most bigoted, prejudiced people on earth are the people who live right there on the front lines. And they don't care for each other. And they don't like each other in those rough areas. I worked two different jobs in Gary, one with a few African-Americans, and then my eyes were opened the summer I worked, and many days when I worked in another job, I was the only person with light skin all day long. I was the minority, and that was an interesting experience. And here's what I realized. People on both sides mistrust and have suspicion, and have prejudice about people that they don't know. People that they've only heard stuff about. And and on both sides, I realize neither side knows the other side, but neither side likes the other side. And they think all sorts of things, and then they think all sorts of things. And and it's really interesting to to, to look at both sides and, and realize they really don't know each other, but they don't like each other. They're prejudiced against each other. Um, Anyway, I moved to Michigan, lived Byron Center, I don't know if you know Byron Center, almost no people of color. Uh, Then we moved up to Rockford, almost no people of color in Rockford. Uh, Then we moved to Walloon, almost no people of color, so now it's been 35 years and I really haven't been thinking about this, really no people of color, and then uh, jeff it 's clear it 's obvious. Um, oh, I want you to go to this island called Haiti, and that 's all they have is people of color, so you 're going to go and, uh, and and now, suddenly, um, I, I just got to be blunt, and now old, goofy ideas are coming back in my brain, and old prejudices are floating around in my head, and i 'm a little nervous because everybody there is people of color that 's all there is. So, finally, I'm, okay, Lord, I'll go and I'll be a person of love to the church in Derivu. And here's the Lord's sense of humor. Um, I was shown about ten times more love and kindness than I was able to show to them. Isn't that interesting? You know, I'm I'm there, okay, I will be be that beacon of love and joy. And, And it wasn't that way at all. It was like they overwhelmed me with love and joy and kindness. Here's a radical prayer request. you ready? Lord, uh, would you show me where I'm prejudiced toward other people? Would you make it clear to me? And Lord, as you make it clear, those who I'm inclined not to like or maybe I think I'm better than them, would you help me to put to death those prejudices? Would you tear down that wall in my life Would you help me to begin to show love, the love of Jesus, especially towards people who are not like me? Bow your heads. Shut your eyes. Here's a a fact that we can't escape. This side of heaven, we're all still stuck with an old sinful nature. We have an old nature that's prone to prejudice and prone to suspicion and prone to thinking that I'm better. And did you know that even Peter had a little backsliding episode in Galatians 2? And Paul had to call him on the carpet because he went back to his old, prejudiced, bigoted ways. And we're prone to go back And slide back into pride and and all that ugliness. Lord, would you uh, make clear those pockets of bigotry or prejudice or superiority in me? Would you be willing to pray that radical prayer? Lord, show me folks that I'm not willing to reach out to. I'm not willing to pray for. I'm not willing to associate with them. Speak, Lord. Lord. We're listening. Lord, I'm reminded that you don't play favorites. <laughs> you, you really don't care about all the external labels that so oftentimes we care so much about. Lord, uh, what you care about is faith. People who are trusting and believing and depending on you and your son, Jesus. Lord, you're looking at the condition of our heart. Lord, I I pray that we as individuals might be willing to look down deep. And uh, where there's some ugliness going on, Lord... We're asking that you might root it out from us. Kill it. Lord, help us to be willing to take the gospel even to places that we probably would choose not to go on our own. We love you. We're grateful for how you united Cornelius and Peter together through your son, Jesus Christ. May we be people who follow their lead. It's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. Thank you. You are dismissed. Lord bless you. Have a great week.